Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome into the Friday, June the 21st edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it's all about the Twitter mailbag, your questions answered here on the podcast, plus some more praise for Brian Flores and the potential of the best quarterback draft class of all time coming up. And I go on a rant about my horrible day on Wednesday. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Himalaya, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts from. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Give me a follow on Twitter, the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, as voted by Dolphins Twitter. And also check out the show's handle at LockedOnFins. And go to LockedOnDolphins.com for all the college quarterback scouting reports we have up there right now. Tonga Vailoa, Fromm, Herbert, and Jordan Love all up there. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat podcast and the Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. First down today's Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your French trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. That's Hotels.com. Be there, do that, get rewarded. As most of you know, I record these podcasts about eight hours before they actually publish first thing in the morning the following day. And before we get into our topics and mailbag, I got a vent about my no good, horrible, awful, bad day on Wednesday. Now, all of this is going to sound like first world problems, especially one of the issues, which I kind of feel douchey talking about. But hey, guess what? I live in a first world country, so my problems tend to be first world. And it starts with a strange accusation of plagiarism in the morning, or I guess somehow stealing some content on a draft prospect that I liked. I'll say that it comes from a guy that makes just about everybody wish my biggest competing podcasts were called Two Yards Per Carry Instead. But I have successfully refuted his claims, so maybe he'll find something better to do with his time. So that was my morning, but it's okay. Wednesdays are my favorite day of the week because I get to go down to my hometown, which is about 45 minutes away from where I live currently, and play softball with all my best friends and my brother, and we're really damn good, and I was a damn good ball player growing up, so it's fun for me to play softball on these Wednesdays. I look forward to it pretty much all week long, and I usually tie in other things I have to get done that I can't do in this small town. I live in here and I can accomplish when I go back home to the Tri-Cities, a town of about 500,000 people out in eastern Washington. And one of the things I tend to do every few Wednesdays is I get my hair cut there from the gal who's been cutting my hair for about four years now. But on the way down there, there was a major accident. Somebody on the opposite end of the highway heading westbound got into a wreck and came over onto the eastbound side and blocked up the highway for about 40 minutes. So I had to cancel the haircut. But that was okay too, because I was going to go meet my best friend for dinner. And wouldn't you know it, because of the accident and getting my schedule pushed back and delaying the haircut, I wound up arriving early, too early for him to meet me. So I had to eat dinner alone like Steven Glansberg. But still, it was okay because we just had two weeks off from a horrible stretch of no softball games because the guys that run this league are morons and can't figure it out. But we get there to the game. Everything's going to be okay. 
and then the opponent no-shows. There is no game for the first game, a doubleheader like it is every single Wednesday. Two games, about three and a half hours of softball. I love it, but we got that cut in half. We had exactly 10 guys, enough guys to make a game up, and they wind up officially forfeiting at 645, meaning the next game was one hour away, and my former best friend, he's on the team, and we'll just go ahead and say that he's made a series of selfish decisions that have impacted me and have led him to become my former best friend. I mean, it's still perfectly cordial, so it's not a big deal, but we just don't talk outside of these softball games anymore. Well, he refused to stick around at the park for an hour and decided he wanted to go home and play video games or something. So we're down to nine guys and had to forfeit our second game. So I basically had to get in my car and drive back 45 minutes and go home. So I drove all the way down there for no haircut, no dinner with my friend and no softball games. And then I think, hey, you know what? A Dairy Queen blizzard, that'll cheer me up for the drive home. And of course, I get out of the drive-thru, back onto the road, open the blizzard up, and it's the wrong damn flavor. I swear these bad days I have just seem to accumulate on top of each other. And I guess I got it out, all out of the way on Wednesday, so I'm back in good spirits today. But I wanted to vent about that day because it just drove me crazy from start to finish. Let's go ahead and get to some football here on the podcast. I apologize. This is not what this podcast normally is. Usually it's all football. But in the middle of June, I don't feel as bad. Let's go ahead and start with this first part here. It came from the Around the NFL podcast. It was a comment from the Los Angeles Rams general manager, Les Snead, at the NFL Talent Summit, NFL Media Talent Summit. And he said this, I'm not worried about the Dolphins. They got it right with Brian Flores. And I tweeted this, and there were some reactions saying that we should wait and see. And of course, nobody is doing that, talking about Brian Flores being the answer, the solution to all the problems. We've learned time and time again, whether it was Tony Sperano winning the division in his first season, Adam Gase going 10-6, and getting to the playoffs in his first season. I think we are all conditioned and have learned to know that year number one is not a great precursor for what's going to come ahead in a head coaching career, but it's just nice to hear that multiple accounts of how well this guy is respected around the league, and the best part of it all is that we see it in the way he conducts himself to the media. So I'm excited about Brian Flores. I think we all should be excited. Of course, it could not work out, but I think we have the right man in place to lead this charge. Hopefully everything's aligned going in the same direction with he, the management, the scouting department, everything involved in Miami Dolphins land, all on one aligned page, and it's spearheaded by a terrific leader and respected man in Brian Flores. And my other note is from a separate tweet that I wrote on Tuesday. Again, bored mid-June thoughts where I'm thinking about football 24 hours a day just about, but there's no new football. So my mind has to create these ideas and these theories up in my head. And the one that I came up with was the fact that to me, the top three quarterbacks in this class next season, the 2020 draft class, are Tua Tungavailoa, Jake Fromm, and Jordan Love. I'm not sure what order that is in, but those are the three guys with just Justin Herbert, a distant fourth, and I imagine by the time this season ends, somebody's going to climb up over Justin Herbert. That's the way I see things going, but my thought was those top three guys are all underclassmen, and so technically, the way that Justin Herbert did, or the way even Andrew Luck did back in the day, they went back to school for their senior seasons. What if all three of those guys did that? It would be the best case scenario, even if just two of them did it, for the Miami Dolphins, because One, that gives us two years to evaluate Josh Rosen, and two, that could then put Jake Fromm and Jordan Love into a a draft class that has Trevor Lawrence, maybe Justin Fields available, just an absolutely stacked draft class in 2021, so we get to properly evaluate Josh Rosen, and then we get a crack at an elite-level prospect, maybe within the top 10 of the draft in 2021. And is it going to be the best draft class of all time? 
Probably not, because we have three Hall of Famers in the 1983 draft class. I'm very well aware of that, but as far as before the draft and assuming who is going to be good and the grades of these prospects coming out, you're not going to get better than the potential of Trevor Lawrence, Tua Tungavailoa, Jake Fromm, and we'll go ahead and throw Jordan Love in there as well, and maybe even Justin Fields. You would not get a better pre-draft quarterback grade class than that one right there. So that was my thought, that was my opinion, and I'm very well aware of the fact that I'm sure at least two of those guys will go ahead and declare this year and get themselves into the NFL after their junior seasons. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here on the podcast and come back and get to your Twitter mailbag questions next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find me on Twitter at NFL and the show at Locked On Fins. Ah, yes, a beautiful Friday here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, June the 21st edition on the Locked On Podcast Network. And as you guys do every single week for me, you provide my Friday content with fantastic questions. We have 18 in total here on the Twitter mailbag. I want to go ahead and get to all of them. Let's go ahead and start with the first question here from a longtime listener. Kevin Gerard, he's at Kevin Gerard 13 on Twitter. When studying the offense that we assume O'Shea will be running, did he show any four wide receiver sets? I'd like to see Grant and Parker outside with Wilson and Stills in the slot. I feel like Rosen would do well with this alignment. What are your thoughts? That's exactly how I would line them up. And yeah, Chad O'Shea is not going to put any formation or alignment in the trash bin, so to speak. If he thinks that he can get the most out of his talent with those guys, he's going to do it. That's the mindset that he has. That's the background that he came from. And I do think that would be a good-looking formation or a good-looking personnel grouping for the Dolphins. But one thing you got to remember is he's going to show five wide looks, that empty set, but he's also going to have a tailback and a, and a tight end in the formation most of the time on those situations. Two of the big plays in the Super Bowl came in 11 personnel with one back, one tight end, three receivers, and an empty backfield with Tom Brady all alone. And that's how they drove the ball down the field for that game-clinching touchdown drive they put on the Rams. So absolutely, he can do that. And I think it's a great way to go after defenses with the four guys, just as you mentioned, Grant and Parker on the outside and Stills and a uh, Albert Wilson on the inside. Next question from Ryan Hewitt. He's at Mr. Hewitt 13. We all know this is a rebuilding team, but what is the worst case scenario for the Finns this coming season? The worst case scenario to me is that the defense shows no improvement just because it's pretty much the same defense minus a few contributors here and there, Robert Quinn and Cam Wake, obviously the biggest guys of that list. But I expect the progression from certain guys like Minka Fitzpatrick, Raekwon McMillan, Jerome Baker. I expect more out of this defense this year because mainly that Matt Burke comment that Binka Fitzpatrick said in that article a while back about how they had no idea what they were doing. So if this defense comes out and is like 30th or worse in the NFL and there's no clear improvement on that side of the ball, that would be worst case scenario because this offense is going to struggle, I think. And if they are that bad on defense, they might get the number one pick and they might get their quarterback next year in Tungavailoa, but you're not going to have anything else on this team that you feel confident in building around. So the worst case scenario is that this defense sucks on ice. Next question from Tyler Watson at the Tyler Watson. Why is everybody sleeping on Kalen Balaj? 
I don't feel like people are. At least my timeline, it looks like people prefer Kalen Balazs to Kenyon Drake, which is kind of lunacy to me because I think Kenyon Drake is a very special player. But from what I have seen out of the Kalen Balazs hive, if you will, is they think he's going to take over the starter's role this season. But there was also a fantasy guy tweeted out the other day that Kalen Balazs got tackled 43 times out of 45 touches on first contact. So maybe that's why, because he just wasn't that good last season in that very, very limited role. I do expect him to have a good 1B option behind Kenyon Drake, but I think there's still a clear gap between the two right there. Next question comes from Abel D. He's at Rotomus Bowtie. During the dead period, are you going to grow a Ryan Fitzpatrick style beard? If I could, I would, man, but I still have a patchy, horrible beard that barely comes in when I grow it out for two weeks to begin with. It does hide like the fact that I have basically no chin and no strong jaw, so I do have facial hair almost all the time, but I can't grow a real beard. If I could, I probably would. Next question from Leighton Stauffer, stop at Stauffer underscore Leighton. I hope I'm saying that right, Leighton. Tell me on Twitter if I'm saying it wrong. Who do you think is the best slash most important assistant on the Dolphins coaching staff? I got to go back to one of the holdovers from last season, Eric Studsville, the running game coordinator and running backs coach, because the best part of the Dolphins offense last year was the disguise and deception in the running game. A lot of those little trap plays, the wham blocks, the quick dives to Frank Gore, some of the misdirection on the fake jet sweeps to Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson. That was where a lot of the big running plays came from. And even the 31 personnel with three running backs and one tight end on the formation. That all came from Eric Studsville because the year before, Adam Gase never ran that. And I'm so glad that Studsville's back. I think he is the most important coach on the staff outside of Brian Flores. Next question comes from Mr. Stubborn. He's at Abduarte underscore one. Since Miami passed on a safety in this draft, who are some good safety prospects in next year's draft? that Miami should be looking at. Well, it all starts with LSU's Grant Delpit. He is far and away the best safety in next year's class, possibly a top five talent, probably at worst top 10. So if the Dolphins do find an answer in Josh Rosen and they decide they want to go after less pass rush prowess, and just focus on loading up the secondary. Delput could be an option there. Xavier McKinney from Alabama is a good-looking prospect. Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. I think he's playing more linebacker now in that defense, but he can flat-out fly. He beat Travis Etienne in a 40-yard dash who runs like a 4-3-40, so he has speed to burn. I'm a big fan of Jalen Thompson from Washington State. I know I'm a homer, but he is a top-10 prospect on most people's list, and he's a good-looking player too, a big-time playmaker and a big-time instinctive type of defensive back that I think would do well in this defense. So those are some good names for you in 2020. This next question I love. It comes from Yvonne at iSweetheart on Twitter. You're stranded on an island with five people from Dolphins Twitter. Who are those five people? And I'm going to get in trouble for this answer, basically no matter what I say, because there are plenty of people on Dolphins Twitter I love to converse with and go back and forth with and joke with for the most part, but I'll go ahead and go with these five. I'm going to go with Mike P.S. We all know who he is, the fourth and inches crew. He and I have become good buddies on Twitter pretty quickly. I'll also go with Houts. I think that's how you say it. I'm sorry, Josh. I know your first name's Josh, so we'll go with that. But he and I also have kind of gotten close over the years. We both lost a parent. I think that was kind of a galvanizing force in our relationship. And he's a good guy, and he can joke, and I know he can party, so he's going to bring a good time with him. Noah's a dork. I don't think most people know who he is, but I actually get to go see him tonight at Safeco Field, T-Mobile Park, the horrible rename of the Mariners Stadium. He and I have become good buddies over our Dolphins and Mariners fandom, and I have actually met him. And another unknown to most people on Dolphins Twitter probably is Chris J. F. Grave, but he has been my ultimate hype man, a big fan of the podcast, and he always retweets my stuff, and he's very nice in his praise about the podcast and the writing. So I'll go ahead and bring him along. And fifth, 
I'm gonna bring you, Yvonne, because we gotta have someone thinking about our own well-being out there, opposed to us other five morons just talking about football or trying to say who can be the best surfer of the bunch. We gotta have someone that can get us organized in the way we go out and find our food and shelter and all that stuff. And I feel like you might be good at that, Yvonne, just based upon how I have interacted with you on Twitter in the past. Next question from William Olive, at William Olive 2 underscore. Say Josh Rosen is the franchise guy, and as such, we are drafting in the mid-first round because we were good enough to get to that part. Which prospects should we watch closely in the 2020 draft? Well, that list of safeties, I think you probably look at the Alabama kid and probably the Clemson kid as well from that position group. I think your top pass rushers, whether it's AJ Epinesa or Chase Young, are going to be gone at that point. So then I'm looking at receiver because I think this receiver class could be totally loaded. And I think this Dolphins receiving group could be really damn good if you just plunked in a number one potential receiver because they're all good players, but none of them can command that double team or consistently win in the red zone or on third downs. So give me either of the two Clemson receivers and Justin Ross and T. Higgins or Colorado's LaVisca Chenault or Oklahoma's C.D. Lamb. Those are the top guys I would look at. I haven't really gotten into the offensive line class at all, so I can't speak upon that, but I would not be opposed at all to doing a Falcons move here this offseason and going after a guy like Chris Lindstrom, the top offensive guard prospect, for instance, in this year's draft class. And that actually reminds me of a point that I want to get to here just to kind of take an aside. I listened to a podcast, uh, Move the Sticks, the other day with Thomas Dimitrov, the Falcons GM, and he was talking about how going into this offseason, because they basically got their offensive line ravaged by injury last year, they had a plan that said, okay, we're going to sign two free agent offensive linemen and spend money at the position so we don't get ourselves into that problem again in 2019. But that's not going to preclude us or prevent us, I should say, from drafting prospects high in this draft, probably even two in the top three rounds. And that's exactly what they did. I love that forward type of thinking. He wanted to give himself depth and a good mix of youth and veterans on the team. He accomplished it, set the plan at first, and then accomplished it. And I think that's something the Dolphins should think about doing is going after position groups with that type of aggressiveness. Okay, we're going to take our last break right here real quick. But I want to tell you guys about Grip6 belts, the best belts made on the entire planet. Planet, as today's show is brought to you by Grip6 and their ultra lightweight belts with no holes, no flaps. Grip6 has a special offer for you right now. Go to grip6.com slash lock. That's L-O-C-K-E, grip6.com slash lock. We're going to come back on the other side with more of your mailbag questions on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins. got 11 more Twitter questions here. Let's go ahead and get to those real quick before we get out of here for the week on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And this one comes in from Tim at TimOSU2. Spot prediction time. Who has more in 2019? Jerome Baker sacks and Mike Gesicki touchdowns. That's a fantastic question because I think we all hope both those guys take big steps in your number two. But I'm going to go ahead and go with Jerome Baker with Seven sacks because I think he's going to be a big part of this pass rush in the sub package coming off the edge as a linebacker. And I'll say Gasecki catches four touchdowns. So give me Jerome Baker on that one. Next question comes from JT Evans at JT underscore Evans 97. 
What's the worst prediction you've ever given a Dolphins team? Mine was 2011, predicting the Dolphins to make the playoffs. That was definitely a bad season for our Miami Dolphins, starting off 0-6, I think it was. But for me, I would say predicting the offensive juggernaut that last year never happened at all. I thought this offense was going to click with all those pieces brought in to help Ryan Tannehill throw over the middle of the football field, the slot receivers. It just didn't happen. He got hurt. It all fell apart. So I'll just say last year's offense being great when it was actually completely awful. Okay, next question from John P. He's at NavGuyNY. What are our realistic expectations for a receiver if we go quarterback in the first round of next year's draft? Well, I already talked about the top four guys for me in this potential receiver class. So I'll go ahead and do another Alabama guy in Henry Ruggs. He is terrific. And we'll go ahead and go with Oklahoma State's Tylen Wallace. There's actually an article up on the draftnetwork.com titled, The 2020 Wide Receiver Class Could Be Truly Historic. So it's a great year to need receiver help next year's draft. Next question from Traveran Coleman at tpoppy2113. Have you looked into AJ Epinesa or Chase Young? Yes, I have. More so Epinesa because I actually watched a lot of Iowa games. For some reason, I always have money on Iowa. And I watched him as freshman and sophomore year. And he is an absolute freak. And I think he could be that Trey Flowers type that we didn't get in this free agency class, and he could be a cheap option as far as a first-round draft pick to play the five and seven and maybe even three technique inside. That guy can do it all. I haven't watched much much Chase Young yet, but I will once the draft season gets closer. But A.J. Epinesa is an absolute freak, and I'm with you all the way. He'd be near the top of my board if we don't go quarterback. Next question from Arturo Aguirre. I know I butchered that. At Turo23, what makes Jordan Love different from Blaine Gabbert and Chase Daniel? To be perfectly honest with you, I didn't really do scouting back in those days when those guys came out, but I know Chase Daniel was extremely limited from a physical standpoint, and Blaine Gabbert was the opposite. He had the big arm, the big stature, and he could sling the ball all over the field, but I don't think that he was really adept in terms of making line of scrimmage adjustments and reading the defense post-snap. Chase Daniel's better at that, but he was limited physically. I think Jordan Love physically is far better than both of them, and probably even better between the ears than both of them as well even chase daniel next question comes from kirk marks at coco marks kirk is there anyone on this team that can be that can beat out kilgore this season i'd really like to think so and maybe even michael dieter can play some center if kilgore happens to go down or if they want to bench him but i do think they want to train michael dieter to play one position and one position only his rookie season even though they want to cross train all these guys but i thought the kid from purdue had a good chance kirk Barron, but he didn't even make it out of OTAs. So this group, there really isn't many options. Maybe Michael Dieter. Maybe they can kick someone inside like Shaq Calhoun. And I actually did have a thought on the center position today, listening to a different podcast about how the Cowboys got Travis Frederick back. Maybe the Dolphins could call about Joe Looney, who played last year for the Cowboys and was okay in spot duty. Maybe he could be a 28-year-old option on the cheap with a late-round draft pick or maybe even a player swap. Or maybe he gets cut. I don't know. But maybe they could find someone on the open market that way. Next question from Clinton Parrott, at Clint Parrott. You're the Dolphins GM with the first overall pick. Would you trade the pick, draft Tua and keep him, or draft him and trade him for love and additional future first-round picks, a la the Eli Rivers deal? I'm going to take Tua Tungavailoa just because I think his floor is extremely high, and I think he has a high ceiling as well, and I know that he's going to make my team competitive right away, and I'm pretty sure if we get Tua next year, he and Flores are going to be here for a long, long time. I love Jordan Love's upside, but there is some downside to his game as well. So yeah, I'll go ahead and just take the sure thing and Tua Tungavailoa and just be done with that position for the next decade plus. Next question here from Aiden. He's at Aiden Jones, brah. What do you think of our linebackers? Kiko, the veteran guy. 
makes a bunch of tackles, relatively healthy the last few years, but he's getting up there in age. Do you think we should keep him around for a couple more years or just go after the younger guys? I like what Jerome Baker and Rayquan McMillan are far better than Kiko. The tackles don't really mean a whole lot to me when he gets beat in the gap and chases eight, nine yards downfield, or he makes a tackle after he gets beaten coverage. I just think that stat is totally useless. So not a Kiko fan, but I do think he can do some stuff going downhill. And when he gets his key right and he's kept clean, he can make plays that way. But that requires a lot of help in front of him. I think McMillan's a far better run defender. I think uh, Baker's a better cover guy and blitzer as well. And I think Andrew Van Ginkle will will eventually supplant Kiko on the depth chart. So not a big Kiko guy, but I do like this linebacker group quite a bit. We got two more. Scott F. Kenward. He's at Scott F. Kenward on Twitter. What, if anything, are we hearing about the Brazilian defensive tackle, Derval Neto? Any chance he makes the squad? Well, I know that he has that roster exemption, so they can put him on the practice squad and not have to sacrifice a body. They can have 11 guys on the practice squad this season. I've not heard a whole lot. I know he's massive. He's built like a freaking tree trunk, and he can do a bunch of things athletically. So I think he has a chance, but I do think they might spend a year to develop him on the practice squad and just keep him that way. Next question, and the final one here comes from Greg Main at GMainECT. 1361. That's a mouthful, dude. Regardless of Miami's record for 2019, what is the first position group of question you want answered this year in Miami? I want that secondary cornerback spot alongside Xavier Howard and Bobby McCain in the slot to get figured out, whether it's Tankersley, whether it's Jalen Davis, Cornell Armstrong, Torrey McTire, or even Eric Rowe finally staying healthy and living up to his ability. I want that position to be hammered out because we need to find someone on the cheap for the next two or three years to offset the heavy salary we owe Xavier Howard so we can come back in two years when Howard's deal is not so go- not so gaudy and pay the next guy in line to keep our cornerback group top shelf because that's the most important position on defense in today's NFL in my opinion cornerbacks and safeties I want to get those spots sorted out okay fantastic mailbag from you guys great content as always as now I can sign off we have a special episode coming out on Sunday with a very special guest I'm excited to get to that podcast I'm heading out to Seattle for the weekend so that podcast will be up Sunday evening and I will have the rest or the best of the rest quarterback piece out next week on LockedOnDolphins.com. I think I'm going to get into a Vincent Taylor film study as well. So plenty of content coming your guys' way. Just going to be off the map this weekend in Seattle, though. It's my annual trip with the wife to go watch the Mariners for a couple of games. We stay in downtown Seattle. We eat good food. We go down to the pier. It's just a great time. My favorite weekend of the off season. And I'm also going to meet up with a guy I mentioned earlier. Noah's a dork on Twitter. Check him out. Excited to grab a beer with him out in the pen during happy hour at batting practice at Safeco Field, now renamed T-Mobile Park, which I hate. And I'll be sure to be wearing one of my shirts from Untuck It. And we thank Untuck It for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Their shirts are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. No tucking or tailoring required. Just go to untuckit.com and use promo code NBA as a National Basketball Association to get 20% off your order. And I'm going to go ahead and get out of here for the podcast today, guys. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on the Apple Podcast app. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Linkful NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night and a great rest of your weekend. We'll talk to you again on Sunday for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up.